All right, well, thanks for coming through, Ty. This is not the first time you've been on the show, but first time in person. We got to cheers it up with cheers. some Arkansas Razorback koozies here. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. Oh man, Mike, appreciate you having me. Let's and the koozie or in the uh, the coasters too. I mean, he just came fully <laughs> prepared, and uh, I'm not gonna lie, I have never, I've never drank during a podcast or broadcast of any sorts. This is a first. Um, you got a great setup. We here, do man. things a little bit differently on uh, this show. You know what? <laughs> I'm the Shane uh, of today, and I and I could not fill those shoes whatsoever. But I'm at least <laughs> try to. I'm gonna wear these. Uh, or these Top Gun sunglasses. Are you a Top Gun guy? Oh, yeah. Mike? I mean, very homoerotic, but I'm down <laughs> for it. You know, I even when uh, – you remember a couple of years ago, like, 3D was, like, a big deal? Mm-hmm. I went out and got uh, a Blu-ray 3D player, a 3D TV, and my first movie purchase was Top Gun in 3D. I Let's thought it would be awesome. But, that, man, I blew, my neighbors got so pissed from me cranking up the sound system on that one. For sure. Oh, man, that is fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm so excited for next week. That is one of my dad's favorite movies. So it, uh, I'm going to take these off because it's a little dark. But this uh, that movie intro, or excuse me, the, the theme song plays at the end of our show every single day. And as we get closer and closer to that release, I know for some we'll get to see it next Tuesday. Others will see it next week. I'm I'm super excited. But I'm super excited to be here, man. I, told, I was telling my old co-host yesterday that this is the – Nashville, Tennessee is the best city in the United States. Yeah. Not just in Tennessee, but in the United States of America. I love this place. Well, it only sucks if you're trying to buy a home. Good good fucking luck. I mean, that that's something I've been trying to do oh. for about three years. And it, it's probably going to take me another three to actually get a spot. You Golly. Know so you live kind of in the Donaldson area. I remember that right? Okay. Yeah. So I've been out there. One of my old uh, coworkers, that's where he's originally from. So I know that area a little bit. But, yeah, I have some friends. Mike, you're going to hate this. Their house <laughs> has increased by nearly a hundred grand with not doing anything to it, but mm-hmm. just living in it when they bought it yeah. four or five years ago. That's insane. It's insane where the market is right now. Yeah, no doubt. But, um, fuck, I'm off track already. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, speaking of, you were talking about, uh, you know, this town. You're loving it. I'm from mm-hmm. East Tennessee originally, moved out to Los Angeles. That's when I got into Fox Sports, NFL, and I moved back. I thought this was going to be a Tennessee Vol town, and I'm so happy to report it is not at all. Like, what my first apartment right across the, the way, there was always a Mississippi State guy next to him in Auburn. Always see Arkansas. Of course, there's about a dozen Vanderbilt fans in town, but <laughs> I just love the fact, you know, I do this SEC show, and it, I'm not ensconced with Tennessee mm-hmm. like I was in Knoxville. It's, it's much more conference-wide. And, you know, you go to the, the bookstores and you got your, your Phil Still, your Athlon, and you start picking that up. People come by and, and they just they just want to talk football in this town. And, man, I love it. It's it's incredible. It's a melting pot of sorts of this league. And as you just said, when I was here, I had friends from Auburn, friends from Alabama. One of my favorite things to do when I will bar hop, my best friend's coming into town tonight, is just I'll go up to some cute girls. Hey, do you go to Alabama or Ole Miss? Just just guess, throw in the hat, and, and most of the time it's like, oh, I'm a rebel, oh, I'm, I went to Alabama, just something like that. But, yeah, this city's unbelievable. And the college football here, we've got the Preds, we've got the Titans, you've got Nashville FC, mm-hmm. you've got the MLT, MLB team, which is expected to be here soon at some point, and then you have a just a crazy college football environment. It's kind of similar to Atlanta and Birmingham, I think, Mike, and – when you talk SEC football at bars, you talk chop, it, I mean, 
I love the fact are, whenever Vanderbilt hosts like LSU or Georgia, <laughs> this town just gets taken over Broadway. Good luck getting down there on a Friday night, but the stadium sells out. They run out of beer. I mean, it's it's quite the scene. Yeah. So this this really is a party town. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the perfect home base for uh, a, a show like this. You know what? Now, you've got I mean, the setup here, it's awesome. And um, the fact that you've taken it uh, video and digital now has <laughs> yeah. even enhanced it, which is sweet. Uh, I just love, since I, I lived here out of college for a year, and so I co- try to come back at least two or three times a year. I was telling you before that I have several friends that still live here. And anyone that has not been that comes with me or that comes to visit when I come into town with buddies, they're infatuated with it just because of the environment. You mentioned Broadway. I don't know if we're going to make it out to Broadway this weekend. There is a bar, and this is right up your alley. I know you're not the biggest light beer guy, but there's a bar called Paradise Park that's within, I think, Sporting. I forget. I always forget the name of the actual bar now. It was long time Paradise Park. $6 natty light <laughs> pitchers every single day of the year. Man, that every sounds day. like trouble, especially if I took old cousin Shane down there. Oh, you know what? Man. I, the only bad thing about this weekend is Shane is not here. I wish <laughs> I, the only, I, was, I'm, I was hoping to meet him at some point. Uh, maybe I'll get two. Maybe we'll. Ragtag media game. days, hopefully. There it is. There it is. I heard, and I heard on your pod, y'all are going to Alabama, Texas, week two. We're trying. I Let's mean, go. we want to start doing more road trips. You know, okay. is uh, Arkansas, Bama, week five, nestled nestled in there. You know, last season because I was predicting Arkansas to beat Texas all off season. You know, I got so much love from the Razorback fans, and they were trying to get. Uh, you know, they wanted us to come to the game. Dude, they love you. And people were – they were offering us tickets to, to Rice. And I was like, well, how about Texas? And they were like, my wife would divorce me if I, we gave you Texas tickets. So, hey, if someone would have came through, we, we would have been there for sure. That would have – let me ask you about that. What what was that scene at that game and uh, just, you know, beating Texas? And, and I didn't realize – you know, I knew – I had always heard Texas and Arkansas, that's a, that's a rivalry, but mm-hmm. – I don't. I had no idea to that level. You know what? Yeah. So I want to start by giving you credit because I remember the lead up to that game. You were the only SEC slash national guy that I can remember that was defiantly saying they have no idea what they're walking into that night. They announced it was six o'clock on ESPN, and I remember you saying Texas isn't going to know what hit them, and they didn't. They didn't the entire game. Steve Sarkeesian was just on his knees on the <laughs> sidelines the entire game. And so the lead-up to it, we had a, f- a bunch of former old players on that week that were in the Southwest Conference days. And just you could feel the hate and anger coming through the microphones. And, and I told you, I was like, I think you're going to like the shirt. This is a, I want to make sure I say it right, the Tuck Fexus shirt. <laughs> the word just for you and our SEC fans who will come to hate Texas as Arkansas fans do. There is just an idea, and you, an arrogance that is not founded in anything. Alabama arrogance is founded in national championships. I get right. why they're fans. Texas doesn't have that. You won one in 2005. You got there in 2009, but you hadn't done diddly squat since, and for the most of the decade. Now, they beat Arkansas, and they had the record over Arkansas for a number of years, but leading up to that game, Arkansas is 60% Texas kids. A lot of those kids didn't get into Austin. Mm. So they're already mad at Texas. <laughs> then they come and they, they come, I mean, I kind of like this school in Fayetteville, Arkansas. This is fun. And these Arkansas kids who grew up with parents, uncles, grandpas, 
grandmothers who hated Texas, they get here. It's like, oh, you didn't get in Texas? Fuck Texas. And, and and it just like it spreads and then the and then the it's the same with the student athletes. A lot of these Texas kids, they didn't get offered by Texas. Oh, hey, come play at Arkansas. We'll get a chance to play Texas. Now for in future years to come with them joining the SEC, there is just such a disdain for that university in Austin. And it's not just amongst the older fans, it's amongst the students and the student athletes. That was a game because you hadn't played them in several years since 2008 where they just, Cole McCoy and company, just curb stomped you. They pushed it back. There was so, and 2014 as well, the Texas Bowl. There was so much frustration yeah, in that game. And you saw these kids, these four-year-olds are doing this, the horns down, (laughs) because they're taught at an early age, love love God, love your parents, Hate Texas. That's just a religion Let in me Arkansas. Ask the Bielema was that? He says that was a reflex. Was it? Was that a reflex? I don't think so. Brett Brett liked to do <laughs> different things here and there, and that was the same. I don't remember if that was the game where he said, "I'm going to go hop on my wife." I was looking forward to hopping on the wife, hopping on the plane, <laughs> hopping on the plane with my wife. Can't believe I just said that. And he's like, "Oh, the plane, the plane." Uh, I don't remember if that was the game or not, but he was a he was a character. That would I would say, that was the point. You beat Texas, I think, thirty-one to seven in Houston in NRG Stadium. That was what many thought was going to be the turning point for Arkansas football after the whole Bobby Petrino scandal, John L. Smith, and then it just poof. Like, and they went eight and five. I say that they went eight and five next year. They had the swine intervention, Hunter Henry, but. They lost at Toledo. They lost to Patrick Holmes in Texas Tech, who we didn't know was going to be one of the best quarterbacks right. in the NFL. But it was a weird year. And then you combine that with the letdowns consistently to Missouri, the Belk Bowl, you're up, I think, 24-7 to against VTech, and you lose that game, and it just fell apart for Bielema. It was That was when Pittman left in the offseason too, mm-hmm. right? To yeah, after, Georgia? Tw- after 2015, I believe, was Pittman's final season because – and I wish someone would just come out and say, there's all these rumors that have circulated around Brett's tenure that he may or may not have hit the bottle too hard. And I wish someone would just come out and say, no, that's not true, or yes, right. that is true, right? Because you, when, when you hear stuff, it's hearsay, it's, and you can't, like, you don't have a video, you're not recording Brett Bielema getting drunk every night. But that was the belief of the fan, that's what the fan base has bought, is he started hitting the bottle instead of calling recruits. And I don't know if that's fair to him. I, I feel like any time someone's losing, I heard the same thing about Kevin Sumlin. I mean, I've you heard about a lot of coaches. Once, yeah. once fans are out on them, and I'm not saying it's true or untrue because I have no idea either, but I have heard that, and it's just once you're out on a guy, you're done with him. You know what I mean? You know, what was interesting is two years ago when Tennessee came to town, Pittman and Pruitt are right here. Now, Pruitt's going this way. Pittman's going this way. And after that game, which Tennessee was up, yeah. and I was like, man, it was, I think it was 14-0, as it was in Knoxville in 2015. I was like, Arkansas's going to lose this game. All of a sudden, third <laughs> quarter. And I remember just the the stark differences of what was said about both those guys after the game. That may have been the turning point for Pruitt. Now, you you have a better well, I think knowledge was, of that. I can't remember if it was before or right after, but the, the true turning point for Pruitt was they lost to Kentucky that year. And Garantano threw a pick six, and they put him back in the game. He threw another interception. 
They put in Harrison Bailey. He threw an interception. They're like, fuck it. Let's go back to Garantano. I think he may have thrown another interception. <laughs> and Kentucky fans won in Neyland <sighs> Stadium for the first time in like 40 years. They still 40 years? Something like that, yeah. So, I mean, wow. hell, Kentucky's only beaten Tennessee, I think, two or three times in 30 years, something like that. So, Is it that little? And before then, all the angst was on Garantano. And then it shifted to, well, fuck this Pruitt guy for keep throwing him in there, you know. But I I do appreciate you bringing up that Arkansas game because anytime I tweet a power rankings or anything about an Arkansas, Tennessee fans get in there and then it's, hey, we beat Butch, we beat Pruitt, we own you, you know. So that's one thing I'm I'm so looking forward to when they blow up the, hopefully the divisions mm-hmm. and, you know, they're going to go to pods or whatever whatever they do. They've not yet decided, but that's the way it's trending. Because teams like Arkansas and Tennessee are going to be able to play every other year. So let me ask you that. Because that, that's a, such a huge topic right now in the mm-hmm. SEC. The pods, whatever you whatever your title you want to give it. But let's say Arkansas gets three permanent opponents annually. Who are those three on the top of your list, Ty? So from a content perspective or for success perspective, from a content perspective, <laughs> you want Texas, Oklahoma, and probably Texas A&M. From a scheduling perspective, no Missouri, you, huh? You no. want <laughs> you want lesser teams. Missouri would want to be there for lesser teams. And I don't know what Hunter year check because you know every AD is in Greg's ear right now. Mm-hmm. Hey, we want it to shake out like this, and some have more powers than others. I would think Greg Byrne has a lot more power than who's the newest AD at Vanderbilt. I can't think of her name. Uh, uh, Candace Lee. Okay, I would think that Greg Byrne probably has more. And that's no disrespect to the individuals themselves. That's where the stature is for Vanderbilt and Alabama in the setup. I, I Like you just said, let's think about these Tennessee-Arkansas games. 98, incredible game. 99, incredible game. 0-1, six overtimes, incredible game. Mm-hmm. Some of the best cross-division games in the SEC in the early late 90s, early 2000s was Arkansas-Tennessee. And game day, 0-6, great game from our vantage point. They, that was awesome. Arkansas fans loved t- to play Tennessee, and I would guess that Tennessee fans were the same way. I've never been to Neyland Stadium. Yeah. Neither has any player on this roster right now. And this idea that coaches want their players, if you stay four years, to play every single opponent makes sense. And I and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you ha- you could have a setup where you could play every single stadium, right? Yeah, that's that's the that setup would, yeah, that they'd go 16. to with three permanents. Mm-hmm. Then you'd have rotating six. So every four years, you, you'd visit Neyland Stadium, and every other year you're playing Tennessee either at home or away. So I also think that opens it up for recruiting. You know, not no th- question it. Not that Arkansas has any problem recruiting Tennessee, but that's a lot easier pitch to make to Nashville kids or East Tennessee kids that, hey, you're gonna your family's going to be – able to drive to a game Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to come see the Vols you know every other year one way or another so I mean I don't see any downside to blowing up the divisions and it too often there's a you know I don't want I've said this recently I don't want to make it out like Alabama's got a cakewalk or anything or you can you could say Georgia with the east they do this year you know what I mean so it's like we're doing away with that too if we Mm -hmm. go to this format I, I just don't see any negatives to it aside from there may be a game or two like an LSU Florida May not get that annually. Even LSU Alabama, which would be tough to swallow, but for the betterment of the league, I think it's uh, I, 
it's tough for me to say because I'm not a you know I'm not an alum of mm-hmm. one of those teams. But dropping those games for just making the conference overall better and the scheduling better, I think it's a no brainer. And I think it adds to the idea that more parity could be created. That's what some of the SEC and college fans get frustrated with, yeah. Mike, is they don't feel like there's parity. You heard Nick Saban last week talk, <laughs> oh, I want more parity in college football. With Pyle. Pyle. No, you don't. You just want to win. You're complaining two days ago about Jimbo and company. and I know you all talked about it. He went scorched <laughs> earth. Have you ever seen anything week. like that? I, Jimbo's press conference, I've, I've never seen that. Ever. Now, I do remember when he was asked about, hey, did you guys pay 25 bill for the?" And he was pretty hacked off since. But I've never seen him. And I don't – you watch more Jimbo press conferences than I do. I watch it the week they play Texas A&M, Arkansas, and that's pretty much it. And then occasionally a soundbite, which we pull. I've never seen him go at an individual like he did with Nick yesterday. He didn't even and, go after Kifton personally, I don't believe. No. And – that's because I think that Nick's comments were, in his mind, even more severe. But you know what it was for us? It was content, baby. <laughs> we loved it. You and Shane were eating it up yesterday. I loved every second of it. Uh, it was it was fantastic. You know, in fairness to Nick Saban, though, I, I think he's got somewhat of a point. Like, mm-hmm. it's a little ridiculous. It seems like all these coaches are complaining. It's hard to feel bad for these guys making $10 million a year. Yeah. So I, I, I do see a middle ground, but... It's hard to look at this situation and say, you know, it's Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo. Those are the three guys, it seems like, that are complaining the most. Those are the three guys that have been dominating the sport the last half a decade. Um, you know, I, I, love the, I love NIL. I love the fact that players are getting paid. And I, I feel like it's helping Tennessee and Miami and, and Southern Cal and all these programs. And, hell, I know it's helping Arkansas a mm-hmm. lot as well. And to me, I think – I think that's more important than, uh, you know, because college football is not fair. Like, I don't understand this argument that we need to keep it. There's parity and we got to keep it fair. Mm-hmm. It's never been fair. And, hey, if you want to take advantage of the legal rules, I think that's why Texas A&M gets so upset because apparently everything they're doing is legal, yet uh, everyone's calling them out for it and saying they, you know, they're buying their players and everything like that. And I think, they're, I think Jimbo was just fed up after hearing that for months, months and months and months. I got to go back and look at the schedule for SEC Media Days. We were talking about that before the show. Can't wait to be down in Atlanta for that. Have you been to the College Football Hall of Fame? No. You're going to be in heaven. <laughs> You're going to love it. Um, but I would love to see Greg Sakey if Jimbo and Nick Saban weren't speaking on the same day, be like, now y'all are speaking on the same day just to have them back-to-back. Or The content out of this, this SEC Media Days with these comments that have been made is going to be the best in years because we had COVID where we didn't have it. We got back. Mm-hmm. And now with it being at the tension level it's at right now between coaches where coaches are, they always make these side remarks, right? Well, that's not how we do it here or whatever. But, <laughs> Mike, they're going, they're going at it. Like they're going at each other. And you correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't heard – Former coaches, current coaches, go at Sam Pittman. In fact, Kirby Smart has been adamant about how successful Sam helped him get with the offensive line and build that culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just the only bad things I've heard about him are behind the scenes, and I think it's from like agent people because I think they were fed up with. Uh, I think it was Hunter Urichek, you know, basically said, "We're not paying these ridiculous buyouts. We're, we're going to mm-hmm. give you this contract where 
if you don't win X amount of games, we can fire you and, and give you nothing. So there's been a lot of there's been a lot of stuff behind the scenes said about, and I don't even think that's Sam Pittman. I think that's more just Arkansas and the way they're trying to do business. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've had to pay these last two coaches that sucked all this money. And it that's kind of that seems fair to me. Yeah. You know, if you win, I don't even think it's like a high amount. I think it was like forty percent. If if you don't win forty or thirty five percent of your games, you don't get a buyout. That that seems fair to me. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam Pittman has a contract where he can get fired, but. He's not going to leave. There's non-compete. We don't have – it hasn't been officially crossed and teed by the lawyers just yet, so we don't – I can't give you every single detail. But yeah. it was a contract that was fair. What you just said, Hunter Yurichek is a guy – this is a guy that wants to win. I don't know how much you know about him. I still don't. I'm still trying to learn and pick up. He got a raise as well. Arkansas fans – so Sam Pittman's and Muss and Dave – They've got three coaches they love. In addition to Courtney Diefel with the softball program, Colby Hale with the soccer program, there are a lot of coaches right now that are doing a great job at the University of Arkansas. Chris Buttonham and company just won the SEC Triple Crown in men's track and field. But, man, you ask an Arkansas fan right now, Mike, hey, who is your favorite person within the athletic department? You're going to get some hundred-year check answers because whether it's bringing back Coke, which Arkansas had Pepsi products for <laughs> 10 years and sucked, Getting no one's name on the floor, doing things. What he does is, and I always joke with with people about this. If you can drink beer, eat food, and talk sports, we're probably going to be fin- friends. I don't care what religion you are, your politics, what you look like. If you have those traits in common, we're probably going to do that. Hunter has found a way, Mike, to talk with the bigwigs that donate millions of dollars to the university and talk to Joe in Paragold, Arkansas, who makes 20000 a year, and treat them as equals. Yeah, That's difficult to do. And he's himself. And Arkansas fans have locked on to a non-Arkansas guy, right? Like Frank was the revered, Frank Bowles revered, oh, blah, 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 it's the best ever. He's all Arkansas, even though he wasn't from here. It's difficult to step into those shoes, and there was the Jeff Long period before, but Hunter stepped in. They freaking love him, man. Everything he seems to do has turned to gold to this point. You hire a good football coach. You hire a good basketball coach. A lot of your other jobs, it's going to be cake after that. Yeah. But let me ask you this. This is something I always love to ask Arkansas people, mm-hmm. and I don't want to get you in trouble with any of your audience or anything, <laughs> but what do you think about uh, playing in Little Rock? Because, I mean, I on one hand, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. it's the natural state. You want to say, you know, have all four corners of the state support the Razorbacks. I get it. But that seems like from a bygone era. Like, I don't know if you know this, but Alabama and Auburn, they used to play in uh, Legion Field. Birmingham, yep. I, I think there's like three or four other examples in the SEC. They used to play in these neutral site type stadiums. But when I, w- I feel like Arkansas, you know, if it, maybe not as much now because they're, they're coming up, but when Pittman got there, there's no doubt. They're behind Alabama. They're behind LSU. They're behind A&M. Mm-hmm. Why are you throwing on added issues with, with recruiting and not being able to host people? So, I don't know. I, I basically, I, I, you know where I stand based on all that, but okay. I just want to know, what, what are your thoughts on it? So, here are my thoughts. And I have, a, I think, a good vantage point being a Little Rock kid. Born and raised, Central Arkansas. Some of my best memories have been in that stadium growing up. Houston Nutt 
loved playing in there because he was a Central Arkansas kid. He put it as a priority. Arkansas fans would fill that stadium up, 45, 50,000 strong. I think it's 52, whatever it was. It's now transition. We're getting out of these neutral site games. Arkansas A&M contracts coming to an end. College Station, Fayetteville, where those games will be played from now on. What it does is it's it's a small gesture of sorts. Like the Arkansas-Arkansas State game is going to be there in 2025. To the Central Arkansas fans, the Southern Arkansas fans, the Eastern Arkansas fans who can't make it to Fayetteville for games or can't make it to Fayetteville because of cost, because there's a variety of things that go into it. But it's coming to an end, I would think. Um, there's high school games that get played there. Little Rock Catholic, I think, still plays their high school games there. The Salt Bowl between two high-profile schools, Ben and Bryant, gets played there. I don't have an issue with it at some point coming to an end, and I understand it. But you also have Central Arkansas boosters who do have a lot of money. Yeah. And some of them still want that game to be played there. And so it's difficult does Tennessee now? I don't know Tennessee's schedule. Do they ever play a neutral site game in Memphis or Tennessee, which are big Tennessee? Excuse me, Memphis or Nashville? I mean, rarely they'll play in Nashville. Okay, they're opening twenty twenty three. They just BYU or they drop BYU and it's Virginia now. Okay, that'll be sick. Yeah. yeah. Now that's a neutral site game, like when Georgia plays a neutral site game in right. Mercedes Benz Stadium <laughs> in Atlanta, forty five minutes away. Go figure. I I get why they've done it but at a certain point as in a lot of other things of life things come to an end mike and i think this is is on its way out yeah. even though again some of my best memories have occurred in that stadium now another hot topic probably not with your audience but what's the deal with uh arkansas fans just totally uh they see Missouri as irrelevant, even though, hell, Missouri's owned them until last yeah. season. You know what I mean? Like, Missouri fans take issue with that. Uh, they love that game. And, I, I mean, I understand the manufactured part of it, but it's not like those schools aren't that close together. You know, mm-hmm. and, and even Missouri's had a ton of success bringing kids from Arkansas up to Missouri and mm-hmm. becoming really good players. Yeah, Barrett Bannister, Taylor Powell, I think it is. Akil Byers. Byers. He wasn't that good, but, you know, he <laughs> – yeah. They got him. <laughs> yeah. There's there's the the idea and I, one of the things I appreciate you you always give credit when it's someone else's idea or thought. I can't remember who told me this, but it's not my original thought, so I just want to put that placeholder in there before I say it. Remember when Arkansas and LSU started playing, the boot got created mm-hmm. and LSU fans hated it. Why are we getting tossed with this new team? We don't care about Arkansas. And they still for the most part don't. Right. Unless Arkansas starts winning. That's very similar to this Arkansas-Missouri thing. It's a created trophy, and I love David Basil, who's the guy, the originator who created created it. Mm-hmm. But you're getting in a situation where you don't you don't care about Missouri. That's a Midwest team. That's not an SEC team. They don't fit. Arkansas fits the SEC blueprint. Texas and Oklahoma, even though I hate those schools, they fit the SEC blueprint. Missouri is a Midwest pompous. So you're not a fan of the Rocks? No. At all, and I'm probably going to upset some people, and I apologize. And the best and probably best most known media person in our state is Bob Holt, who's a Missouri grad and the (laughs) nicest human being on planet Earth. But I was talking about arrogance earlier. Missouri, Northwestern, and Syracuse, 
trying to think if there's another journalism school. They just have this idea that they're better than everyone. <laughs> and then you got you and me, a Tennessee guy and an Arkansas guy, that we're just kind of, hey, let's crack some beers and talk some <laughs> SEC football. We're just – we're dudes. And they just – Bob's not like that. Yeah. But – yeah, that's why Arkansas fans hate Missouri, because of the forced rivalry. If it was natural, and there have been some comments back and forth, and Drinkwitz is an Arkansas guy, and he mm-hmm. said some things. I kind of like that rivalry with Arkansas. We hadn't lost one of those. You got your, you got your ass kicked this past year. I love so, him. Just, just to be you? clear, I love him. He looks like Andy from The Office. <laughs> we need guys like that, because you're right, because a lot of points you make about Missouri, they don't fit, but... If you got an entertaining, engaging guy that's trying to bring offensive football to Missouri, mm-hmm. like I'm on board for that. I mean, all due respect to Barry Odom, he's a hell of a defensive coordinator. He didn't do much for me as Missouri's head coach. You know, it was kind of just the one time when he was like about to get fired and he got all fiery and passionate. I need more of that from a from a guy that's coached. Either you got to be winning every time, or you got to be entertaining, at least for these for purposes. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? He. Um... We have a clip that plays as a promo on our stations that before the Texas A&M game, and Bryles was like this too. I had never seen Bryles or Odom outside of that one talk incident that you talked about with Missouri. I've never seen them get fired up, mm-hmm. and I know they do, but you just don't see that, and they right. don't. There's no social media about that. But before the Texas A&M game, yeah, Bryles talking to this team, and this is after every loss since 2012. They don't respect you. They don't respect your coaches. They don't respect your team. They don't respect you as a freaking football program. And I'm sitting there, it's like, damn, Kendall. And they hear Barry Odom's like, leave no doubt. <laughs> Dominate the line of scrimmage. Dominate front. And I'm just like, I'm sitting in there watching this on Sunday after they had beaten Texas A&M. I'm sitting there, it's like, I'm about to run through a brick wall. Funny story about that A&M game. Mike I'm driving from Fort Smith, Arkansas, after our pregame show to Kansas City. One of our listeners, David in South Arkansas, had offered me tickets with me and one of my good friends to go to a Kansas City Chiefs game. Never been to Arrowhead. Nice. We've got the phone of the game on in our sunglass container hut in our car. KJ throws that touchdown to Burks for about 70 yards, and I almost drive off the road because I'm going <laughs> so nuts. We get there, we go to this place called the Peanut, which you would love. Great beer, wings, chili fries, just orgasmic food. And second half, we're watching that game, and the waitress changes the channel in the fourth quarter. And I am I am drunk at this point, and I'm about to blow a gasket. And these Kansas and Kansas State fans were like, hey, man, can you flick that back? I think he's going to... He's going to have an aneurysm if he can't watch the end of that game. And so they finally win, and I don't know what – and I'm in this bar with Kansas Jayhawks, Kansas City fans, and all these assortment, Missouri and all these – and I'm – it's me, my two other friends that are Arkansas, and we are just going ballistic, Mike. And they – people start clapping because they're like, they finally beat A&M. So it was a – that was great. I hate Texas A&M. I think I've told you this before. I hate yeah. that university more than any other university on planet. More than Texas, more than Oklahoma, more than Ole Miss baseball, more than Kentucky basketball. So that you consider that the biggest rival for Arkansas? It, for me. Yeah. Not for the state, not for the fan base, but for me, just because of the football, the agonizing, painful football <laughs> losses that we suffered every single year since 2012 in just the most excruciating ways possible, Mike. Yeah. Pain. Pain. Pain, pain. I got a similar story, not as good, but okay. when I, I was living in Los Angeles, I was going to school out there, 
and me and a couple buddies went to the bar. This was Lane Kiffin's only season at Tennessee. Down, I believe it was in Tuscaloosa. Mm -hmm. They had the tide on the ropes. They were about to win the football game. There was like two or three block kicks in the game. Mount Cody. Game, game winner. Blocked <laughs> with his big paw. Blocked the game winner. And I, I jumped up off the table. I wasn't meaning to do this, but I flipped the table over. And we're in L.A. bar, and I believe that was like a noon Eastern, so it was like 9 a.m. Like People were like, why is this dumbass drunk at 11, you know, <laughs> our time? In, in a game no one gave a shit about. They don't care about SEC football out there, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, that was an ugly, ugly scene for sure. Goodness gracious. Now, and by the way, since we're talking on the subject of drinking, this is the first time that I've ever had a ranch water. These are phenomenal. You I'm go, so go glad you quick. got me one of these. Yeah, you said they taste like water. I can drink 12 of these and just be just fine, just feeling peachy. And it's only at 80 calories, so it's like even less than a light beer. These are awesome. I'm definitely getting me a, a rack of these when I get back. Yeah, they're football and drinking just go hand in hand. And <laughs> we, uh, I actually, my roommate and myself, I was kind of goofing around with my buddies. We were talking about season tickets, and one of our buddies got on the website. The new north end zone in Rageback Stadium that was recently renovated, because they're not the best seats in the house, like 50-yard line and other vantage points of the stadium, you have to add elements to make them worth the money. Mm-hmm. And it's in the sun. So they do all-inclusive, all you can drink, all you can eat. And really? it's like high noons and some like good, like beers and good stuff. So I popped on. I was like, oh, these tickets are going to be outrageous. They were $1,400 for the season. So do I, you have to give a donation or anything? No. no. Oh, I mean, I so hold that. I have a friend... Anna K. Hilburn, who works in the Razorback Foundation Department, and I thought I was a member. I wasn't. I was. It's 50 bucks, And then you have access to all these season tickets, football, basketball, baseball. And I bought the ticket, and it's like, it's a no, it's 200 bucks a game for all you can eat, all you can drink. That's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And so I've got to figure out, because you and I kind of, yes, we have fun during game days, but we also have to do work yeah, with your yeah. podcast and be <laughs> ESPN Arkansas, but I've got to figure out. I think I'm going to give them to friends, clients, and various things. But, man, it's going to be a hot ticket this fall. Ole Miss, LSU, Bama, Bobby Petrino, most eight, Liberty, and Hugh Freeze. You've got seven home games. Who are the other two? Cincinnati and I'm forgetting the other one. It'll come to me. Seven home games for the first time in Razorback Stadium history. Well, hey, speaking of that, I stole your idea. I apologize to you before we got on the show on Paul Feinbaum. That Alabama game. Now, I say this every time. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a layup for Arkansas to be undefeated because they got Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati's an interesting team. South Carolina, that's the other game. Oh, yeah, South, South Carolina. So, if Arkansas is undefeated, and, of course, Alabama more than likely will be undefeated, uh, just, you know, we already eye in that game, but how how intense will be even more intense than Texas? You think? That's a great question. That's one we posed thinking about that, and I heard when you and and cousin Shane were talking about your SEC, your perfect SEC road trip. That's up there. I was telling you before we came on. I actually have a wedding that weekend, so <laughs> uh, I will be at Jared and Emma's wedding, and I'm I'm really excited about that because they're both good friends. Will you be watching the game on your phone? A hundred percent. Now, not during the ceremony itself. I would never do that, Emma. But after, as I've done when my buddy Luke and Allie got married, when they walked out, Cam Little kicked the game-winning field goal in Tiger Stadium. Me and our group of guys were like, let's go! And then they walked out, and we did the sparklers or whatever. It was fantastic. But, 
yeah, that game is going to be unbelievable because, again, perfect scenario, Arkansas's 4-0. You've beaten Spencer Rattler, you've beaten a ranked Cincinnati team, and you've beaten Texas A&M. You legitimately have a chance, depending on where you start, to be in the top five. Will they? I think they'll be more like eight like they were against Georgia last year, and hopefully they don't get curb stomped. I went to <laughs> Athens. That was not pretty. Great city. Unbelievable, yeah. but not the game itself. And you've got this Heisman Trophy guy coming in and K.J. Jefferson, who is is still not even a dark horse in certain people's. I'm seeing these these betting lines. you got Will Levis and these mm-hmm. other guys that are – I'm just like, all right, keep doing that. <laughs> Throw it to K.J., put it on his locker. Because he, when uh, a former colleague of yours and a friend of uh, Brad Crawford, I remember joking with him about it. I was like, he, he was motivated by uh, <laughs> putting him at 14 before last season. But, yeah, that would be a um, – you have not been to Razorback Stadium – and Mike, I know that you're trying to go that Texas Alabama week two. If Arkansas starts out four and and that game is what also is important for that game is CBS needs to flex that game. Yeah, they have to flex. <laughs> not that two thirty wouldn't be a great kickoff, but they need to do what they did against A and M last year. They need to put that Arkansas Alabama game at night. Fine, and there's some decent other SEC games that day. Put Noah Eagle and those guys on that other C game. Breen, Brad, and Gary to Fayetteville <laughs> at night with a top team, the number one team in the country, Alabama, in town with a 4-0 Arkansas. In addition, even with CBS in town, Arkansas has the longest drought in the freaking Southeastern Conference without college game day. If they are foreign, really? I yes, have no idea. Kentucky and Vanderbilt and every other program that you wouldn't think would have it. 06 Tennessee, when they came to town, Ron Franklin on the call, Arkansas has not had even game Vanderbilt's- day even better? Vandy, what? 07, I think, with Cutler is what it was. Or maybe it was well, Roger. Maybe uh, during the James Franklin era, mm-hmm. they were pretty damn good. And it was weird because I was like, man, that, that can't be right. And I looked it up. Vanderbilt had it, and Georgia, of course, has had it, and all these other schools. I was like, golly. So if they're 4-0 and game day decides, you know, we're going somewhere else, I'm going to lose. My, my Our opening segment on Monday morning is just going to be me tearing into ESPN producers the entire <laughs> show. But, again, that's a long way out. That's asking a lot to beat. Cincinnati to beat Spencer Rattler in South Carolina to beat Texas A&M, who you finally overcome this yeah. past year. Where do you where do you stand on A&M? Number one recruiting class in the country. You've got Jimbo popping off yesterday. I'm still not sold on Haynes Keene and their quarterback setup, right? Yeah. Max Johnson. like It's kind of weird how much faith the Aggies, uh, and I'm talking mostly the fans, but they just throw all their, their confidence in some guys that have – unproven themselves and I'm glad you asked that because literally I was just going to ask you I don't know if you heard this but uh, my buddy Dave Bartu CFB Matrix he puts out these coaching grades he grades the head coaches the assistants he even uh, grades the support staff his numbers and all he all he does is talent on your roster location of the game and then the outcome he gives a coaching grade Jimbo had the worst coaching grade in the power five last year wow removing first year coaches but so not not the worst but very damn near close mm-hmm. to the worst. Uh, they they should have won eleven games according to his metrics. Won nine, eight, eight. Ugh. They should win eleven, ten this year too. But the, hell, it doesn't mean they're going to do it. And uh, yeah, just I just talked to a lot of people, a lot of coaches, and they are just not impressed at all with what he's doing on offense. And that's like his baby. And he's got this reputation as being this this great quarterback developer. He's not really done it since Jameis. And even the guys he had before that. You know, I didn't watch a lot of Florida State football, but he did have a string of first-round picks. 
Uh, I don't know how good those guys were, but it's almost like his reputation has been built on Jameis Winston, and he really needs something to pop there. Uh, And I've made this case before. I know this guy doesn't seem like he has any interest in coming to college football, but if A&M could figure out a way to get Joe Brady to join the staff, because what he did did at LSU I think is people overlook it. He coached receivers. Receivers, and that's been a huge issue for A&M, coach them receivers, modernize the passing game but I think Jimbo you know he's getting paid a ton of money he's got a big ego he's probably thinks he's one of the best in the country at at coaching Mm -hmm. he's probably not open to to such a thing like that but if they if he were you know if they modernized it a little bit on offense and got better receiver play I think A&M could win a national championship but I just don't I don't know that I got the confidence in in the system right now they got all the talent in the world they're they're gonna be good I'm not trashing them but uh, you know, you put Arkansas's coaching staff against A&M, it's not even close. So, I mean, that was the difference last year. It's coming out early. I think it was 17-0 to before uh, K.J. got hurt, and they basically parked the bus, to, to use a soccer term, and they, they still got it done, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, so that's going to be one of the biggest games of the season to, to see where that thing goes. A&M will be ranked above Arkansas preseason no in the West. If I had to guess, you tell me if I'm wrong, it'll go – a and or excuse me, Alabama, A and M, Arkansas. You you think LSU will be above them? Uh, Ole Miss. I think people will vote. Think, okay, Ole Miss. That's not the way I'm voting, um, but I'm I'm telling you that's the way the consensus. That's how you will. think is voted. Ole Miss, then Arkansas, then LSU, and then Mississippi State, then Auburn. I think there's a chance, an outside chance, that even LSU is voted ahead of. Oh, Arkansas. I hope so. Oh, that would be so good. <laughs> oh my gosh, the content we get and the. The irrational behavior from the fan base at Arkansas, and in addition to Arkansas, like Tennessee, thrives when yeah. the expectations are low. Right? Mm-hmm. We were talking before the show. I know there's differences, and I know some Tennessee fans will hate what I'm about to say. Some Arkansas fans will hate what I'm about to say. But there are a good chunk of similarities. Oh yeah, between these schools and fan bases, the pride, the schools being the flagship of the state. No one cares about. Vanderbilt football and and Memphis has some football and basketball success but people wear the checkered orange and white in this state this is a this is a Tennessee state period and with Arkansas you know it's a say Razorback red state I think that Arkansas and I've said this about the basketball team too who has a chance to be preseason top three depending Mm -hmm. on what happens with Jalen Williams Arkansas would be better off if they're not that high in basketball or that <laughs> like high if in Kentucky football. Kentucky got picked again, to, to, like Correct. always. Yeah, and that's you know what? That's fine. You know what? Just give give Moss <laughs> more motivation. Give Pittman more motivation because some coaches are, oh, we don't read into those tea leaves or we don't do this. Pittman has been like, yo, KJ was 14th on this list. I was picked as the worst Power 5 coach. Yeah, it motivated me. Yeah, yeah it motivated him. We're in the same – Cut a cloth. No one expected this of us. KJ's still not getting good Heisman odds. Keep putting them in that box. Keep putting Tennessee. Tennessee has a chance to be the second-best team in the East this year. But if you're a Tennessee fan and you probably think the same thing, put us at third. Put us at fourth yeah. in the SEC East. Good. We'll prove you wrong. Just like Heupel's got that thing going offensively. The, they get a defense. The, the problem is Tennessee always gets the benefit of the <laughs> And they all, it's, this is, this is like a three or four year cycle we're on, you know, it's every three or four years, but thankfully Hypo he goes so quick, he sped up even the expectations year two, people are going to be 
you know, jumping on the bandwagon. I think it's hard for people to pick Kentucky. I don't know. I guess they just don't watch football. I don't know. Kentucky's pretty damn good. Those interior lines every year. Florida, every year. Florida's going to get benefit of the doubt. But, yeah, I think Tennessee will be picked second. And Do you? Just like you said, I don't know if that's good or not. But that's going to be where they're picked, I think. Is Hooker going to be better than Jefferson this year? Who gets that second quarterback spot? Because that is – Bryce Young's it. Unless he gets injured, that's the best quarterback I in the SEC. both of them could legitimately win the Heisman Trophy, depending on how well their seasons go. Okay. I mean, it's it's a complete toss-up. I think we just had our own little fantasy draft. I picked K.J. Jefferson over Hendon Hooker. Okay. I think he's a little bit better player, but I also think that uh, Josh Heupel's system, you know, not like Kendall Browse is trash or anything, but I like Heupel's system a little bit better. I like his weapons a little bit better with uh, the, the returning receivers and that they've got. And, you know, that's huge in, in the style that Arkansas and Tennessee play now. So, I mean, it's a complete toss-up. But I give that edge to K.J. Jefferson right now. I am very curious to see who winds up as that second-best quarterback. And it could be a situation where Hooker and Jefferson both have really good stats. But who beats Alabama this year? We talked about the – and I know that's something you and Cousins Shane talked about earlier this week. And um, when when Paul asked you about the the, just the matchup that Arkansas could be hosting, Texas, LSU – Arkansas, Tennessee, and then the other one was Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Bama's got a tough road this year. It's so much difficult, more difficult than Georgia because their their lowest um, line right now is what fourteen against Oregon. I think so. Fourteen is your lowest <laughs> line. I mean, Alabama. I think got came out as a seventeen point favorite. I listened to you doing the FanDuel lines and a seventeen point favorite. Which is still a good chunk, and Arkansas fans are going to be ticked about that, especially yeah. if they're 4-0. But Bryce Young, he's he's going to have some opportunities to win that Heisman Trophy. As you and Shane were talking about yesterday, I don't think he's going to be sitting out fourth quarter in those games specifically. Maybe Texas, they could blow the doors off Texas, but I think those games are going to be competitive in Oxford and Fayetteville and Knoxville and, and uh, the other one I mentioned too, you know, and Death Valley. The thing with Alabama, though, like, you're stupid not to pick them mm-hmm. to be the favorite. But I think some of that was a little smoke and mirrors because they nearly lost to LSU, should have lost to Auburn. They did lose to Texas A&M. There was a lot of t- a lot of games they nearly lost. Mm-hmm. And every every throw went to Jamison Williams, Slay Bolden, or John Mechie, who none of them are there. I know they kill it in the transfer portal, but – you know, this I didn't get Jordan Addison, though. This this ain't a video game. You know, people think you can just insert this guy, that guy. Yeah. We'll, we'll replace all these now guys that are in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see it that way. So, uh, again, I think Alabama, you got to put them in the favorite. Otherwise, you're crazy. But I'm not seeing it like they're just going to run through the schedule like you're saying. I th- Arkansas at Arkansas is going to be a hell of a game at Tennessee. And I'll even throw the wild card there at Ole Miss. Ole Miss might be their, their toughest competition mm-hmm. if – if Kiffin can put all those pieces together again, I think uh, I, I hate with a passion the fake injuries, but we got to give him credit. There's no punishment for it. He's found like a loophole and kind of cheating on the game, but as long as there's no punishment for it, like I said, credit to him for, for taking advantage of the little loophole in the rules, you know? I don't remember, Mike, who plays Alabama the week before they play Ole Miss, but I do know they have to play A&M the week before, and there's still going to be so much juice before – that A&M Alabama game, Tennessee gets them after that game. Yeah, that's a good setup for Tennessee, and it being 
third Saturday in October, the Cigar Game. Arkansas, like Tennessee, has not beaten Nick Saban since 2007. What are the odds? Parody. Yeah. <laughs> what are the odds that one of them do it this year? What are the odds? And it doesn't. You don't have to say which one because I know that yeah. it doesn't matter. But we talked about it last year. Is this finally the year that Nick Saban loses to an assistant? He doesn't just lose to one. He loses to two. Right. Now it took two attempts by one coach, Kirby <laughs> Smart, to finally do it in last season. But what are the odds that Volunteer Nation or Razorback Nation finally says enough is enough? It's. I always go back to what John Sally said during the 1988 Eastern Conference Finals. They're playing the Boston Celtics, who the year before were up in Game 5. Isaiah Thomas threw that pass away. Bird stole it through to DJ. He laid it up and in. Mm-hmm. They go on to play the Lakers in the Finals. And John Sally, in this 88 series, they said they got together and it's Game 6 in Boston with Detroit a chance to go on. He said, fuck the leprechaun. We're going to win this. When is someone in that locker room, whether it's Pittman, Bryles, Odom, KJ, Hooker, Heupel, whoever, Fuck the Crimson Tide. We're going to go win this thing. Who is going to be man enough to not only say and then complete that process? Because you almost have to play a perfect game against these guys. And it used to be three yards in a cloud of dust, Alabama. No, yeah. you got to beat 500 yards a game Bryce Young in Alabama <laughs> this year, who might not have anyone to throw to, as you mentioned. I forgot about Bolt. That's a great mention by you. Mm-hmm. He was like it's the third the, down man. Yeah, you know? He's just consistent. So, who do you... Yeah, man, I hope it happens. I hope they both do it. Oh my gosh! I, if they I still both think do it. I still think Arkansas's got the better odds, and I just even with Vandy the week before for Bama. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you not play like Texas the week before you play us? Like, come on! I just got I got no confidence in Tennessee to do anything till I see it. You know, I've just been following it for too too damn long. Yeah, and Sam Pittman and company they're the streak busters. That's what they did. They got one streak left. To get that uh, that demon off their back, and I think it's man. If it ain't this year, I don't know. I don't know when it's going to come. You know, and the, as long as Nick Saban's there, parroting the the West with his ninety five percent winning percentage. You know what? Oh yeah, that those parody comments are a joke, man. <laughs> and he's in where was Feinbaum on the beach or something with Nick? I think he was and, at the golf course. Okay, yeah, that's right. And he's making these comments. It's just like, <laughs> dude. It, and I think Nick is. When I listen to him speak, when he lets himself go, kind of like Brady has mm-hmm. with the the I'm forgetting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like listening to that. And Kurt Herbstreit always says when they do guest college game, when Nick loses and they don't go to the national championship, he'll be the one of the the coaches that is on the round table or whatever. And he says, Herbie always says after the segments, "How do I do? How I mean, it's like you're good, <laughs> coach. I mean, I like listening to him talk when he's not." BSing like he was yeah, last yeah. week, you know. All right, hey, it was wind down with you, Ty. I wanted to ask you this because I love, you know, people. They can they can feel the passion from you. Yeah, you're you're like a diehard over here. What's your favorite uh, all time Arkansas team? Is there one that stands out? And uh, also favorite player could be from the same year, could be from a different year. That's a great question. Basketball wise, it was two years ago because of. It being four Arkansas kids that were instrumental. KK got injured, but he was a part of that class. You finally broke through and got to the Sweet 16 on a last-second defensive play against Texas Tech, and then you advanced to the Elite Eight after being Orr Roberts. Even when it being COVID, that helped Arkansas fans just because of COVID and the impact. Sports, sports helped COVID. 
Yeah. I, I truly believe that if we did not have sports, the world would have eaten itself alive. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not joking. I don't want to make light of the situation, but I truly believe that. Football, player, Darren McFadden. 501 boy. Yeah. I'm a 501 boy myself. I got a mullet one time and I had 501 on the side of my head. <laughs> it's knucklehead move. <laughs> it's Darren McFadden. Now, the team itself was either 06 or 2010 size 2011. That's hard because D-Max, the 06 team, they got crushed by USC opening game, but then they reeled off 10 straight, and they lost to LSU in Little Rock, which sucked because D-Max, it's 24-12, D-Max goes 80, then Trenton Holiday takes the kickoff right back for a touchdown. Oh, that short little shrimp that is a speedster. And then 2010-2011, Ryan Mallett, last time, Bama came in here, Greg McElroy, loudest place he's ever played, Fayetteville, Arkansas, he's been on the record saying that. And that's why I think the atmosphere this year could be just as good as it was, which was the highest attended game. game. Garth Brooks surpassed that this year. Nice. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that combination, that's really hard. Then 2011, Tyler Wilson and company, it's really hard. It's, so I would say between those three teams. I wasn't old enough to see 98, and yeah. I kind of remember 02, but those games vividly remember what happened, even as a as a youngster. I'm at Cotillion. Did you do Cotillion in East Tennessee? Do you know what Cotillion no, is? No, I had no idea. It's this fancy, we're going to teach you how to dance, we're going to teach you manners, <laughs> BS, frou-frou thing that my dad made us do. And I hated it with a burning passion. And it's 06, SEC championship game. We're at Benihana. <laughs> Arkansas just forced Florida into a punting situation. I think it was 24-21, or Arkansas might have been up. Kick. After they converted a fourth and six inside their own twenty, Then they have to punt. Kick. Oh, Reggie Fish. He, he, he muffed it! And I see <laughs> Vern, I see this Vern Lundquist call in my head. Florida recovers, and Arkansas just couldn't recover after that. I have to go to Cotillion. I'm pissed off. I don't want to talk to a single girl. I don't want to talk to anyone because I know we're going to lose. And, uh, yeah. So maybe that 06 team, just because of the emotional stress that it took on my body as a youngster. I think I was in sixth or seventh grade at the time. You can tell how <laughs> it's still distressing. Day. Yeah. Well, I cannot uh, thank you enough, Ty. Uh, before we let you go, plug what you're doing there for ESPN Arkansas and anything else you got. Yeah, absolutely. So um, me and Mike kind of got connected. He's been great coming on our shows, uh, talking SEC. Um, we broadcast from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas and hit that line.com. So if you enjoy Arkansas sports talk, SEC football, and you're an early bird, you can get it from us. And uh, also trust in the process. And your interviews, I'll plug you, I'll re-plug you. Yeah. Mike's interview was phenomenal. Um, I got a chance to, because there's some things like the acting stuff and like this, <laughs> this like Hollywood and other stuff. And it's just like, and just little, little tidbits about his life. And he was on it. We talked about his career, his life, kind of how everything formulated into that SCC podcast. Um, that's another podcast I do with different. That was me. the most unique interview I've ever done. I got to give you credit for that. Thanks, no, man. I've never got like any, anyone ask me questions like that. Well, it helps when I ask family members and coworkers and and friends. I always get on someone's Facebook and I go to their photos. I friend all these people. It's like, hey, I'm interviewing so and so. Would you have any funny or interesting stories about? I got some for you. Got some for others. And. uh yeah, dude, yours was great. I'm honestly, I, I probably should have re-listened to it on the way back here just to kind of remember some things to to talk about. But yeah, I I just like learning about people. And yeah. Yours was uh, yours was entertaining. There's a lot of stuff I learned about you that I didn't know, so it worked out. All right, man, let's cut this thing. Let's go eat. 
tune. Let's go eat. Let's get some pizza, brother. All right.